the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program was recorded for broadcast at this time. Welcome to What's the Score? A series solely dedicated to the support of Central Florida small business and entrepreneurs. Donated as a community service by Salem Media Group. And now let's head into the Rich Jekyll Score Studio with Christopher Hart and Lucy Polito. Welcome again to What's the Score, the show designed to help you come up with that winning combination for your business. And when we have the award-winning score volunteer, Lucy Polito, with us, we always have a winning combination for you. How are you doing today, Lucy? I am terrific, Chris. And how about you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Thank you very much. I am Christopher Hart of the American Adversaries Radio Show. But, of course, this show is all about score and everything score has to offer for you. Like just a couple of three weeks ago, they had this great women's business conference over at the National Entrepreneur Center. Are you still here getting ripples from that event there, Lucy? Yes, uh, yes, we are. Uh, in fact, we've gotten even uh, additional phone calls from people who have heard from other people who attended, and they wanted to know when we were having the next one. So that's always good. <laughs> Indeed it is. And uh, that event in particular won't be up, I guess, until next year, but you've got other events all along the way, including another big event that you were saying sometime in, when, when was it, September or something like that? I, I think it'll be September, yes. I think it'll be September. Okay. Yeah. All right, indeed. All right, well, that's the situation. SCORE always has something going on, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, their offices located here locally are in the National Entrepreneur Center right there on the West End, just off McGuire. Great facility there, and SCORE's not alone there. Another other 14 or 15 other great local organizations all there to help entrepreneurs and businesses in this area work and succeed. And so all you have to do is uh, check the place out. It's really great. And, of course, the SCORE offices now are open 10 to 4, Monday through Thursday, 10 to 1 on Fridays. And if you call during the day, you'll actually get a person. And if you call after hours, an actual real person will call you back the very next business day. And uh, if you want to have a conversation, it's best to set up an appointment. Maybe you just have a question or two. They could even handle it over the phone, put you in contact with the people who can do it. And that is uh, phone number is 407-420-4844. The score phone number four zero seven four two zero four eight four four, and of course, if you want to know ahead of time all of the great things that Score's got going on, best way to do that is to go to the website Orlando.score.org, sign up for the excellent newsletter while you are there, Orlando.score.org, and that way you'll know everything that's happening, including the Coffee with the Leader presentations and what the presentation is going to be about. That's bi-monthly. And then, of course, the workshops that they do month on a monthly basis, the five basic courses to starting a business and succeeding, doing it right. And, of course, great mentorship all along the way. And maybe you just want the mentorship program. But at, no, at any rate, 
all of it is offered at, as we keep trying to tell you, the only inflation and deflation-proof price around. And once again, Lucy, you're going to have to say what it is. You know, one of these days I'm going to get in deep trouble for saying this word constantly. (laughs) It's free, folks, free. (laughs) Absolutely no charge at all, thanks to great sponsorships and, uh, and grants. So all you have to do is ask for the advice, ask for the help, and take advantage of the educational programming. And you can sign up for those things at orlando.score.org. The webinars uh, are almost on a daily basis, and the Coffee with a Leader presentations, those are interactive. So all of that at orlando.score.org. So all you have to do is reach out and take advantage of it. And if you're wanting to be a SCORE volunteer like Lucy, go to that website as well or give them a call. It's a very rewarding after career, second or third or fourth or fifth career, you might say. But uh, it is uh, an opportunity perhaps you would like to take advantage of as well. And don't forget, SCORE is a nationwide organization, and that means they have offices all over the place. All you have to do is go to SCORE.org to find the local uh, SCORE office in any particular state or city. And, uh, and all, of course, they also, along with Orlando.score.org, have a lot of offerings there in terms of videos, um, templates that you can use for documentation, all that sort of thing. And once again, as Lucy said, it is, uh, as old Rich used to say, the big F word, absolutely free. No charge at all for any of it. So all you have to do is take advantage of it. So as I said, there are offices uh, pretty much all over the place. But that brings us to our guest today, because she is the SCORE chapter chair on the Space Coast. So I'd like to welcome to the show Carla Micah. Oh, no, I see Lucy shaking her head. No? The, no. She's a big cheese now within SCORE. She'll tell you all about it. Okay. Tell us about, the, well, first of all, uh, welcome to the show, Carla. Well, thank you, Chris, and thank you, Lucy, for having me today. I am tickled to death to be able to share with you um, what SCORE is doing on a national level to embrace a culture of inclusion. And to that end, my position right now with SCORE is the lead ambassador for diversity, equity, inclusion. And I also serve as the Southeast Regional Ambassador in that same capacity. Um, this is a national position reporting to the, the CEO, Bridget Weston. And to that end, um, I coordinate and work with eight regional vice presidents, 13 ambassadors, and over 104 chapter champions across the country who are are devoted to this particular initiative within SCORE. Prior to to this, I am a past chair of the SCORE Space Coast, which is located in Brevard County, and I reside in Melbourne Beach, Florida. Okay, the way we usually like to do things is find out a little bit about the person themselves before we get to what you're up to now. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Carl, like uh, where are you from? Uh, Where'd you go to school? What was your prior uh, professional, if any, experience? I'd be happy to share that with you, Chris. I'm originally from Buffalo, New York, (laughs) and I am a lifelong Buffalo Bills fan. Now that may they may, might upset some of your viewers here, but once a Bills fan, always a Bills fan is the way I look at it. 
I graduated from the Buffalo Seminary for high school. Um, it is Western New York's premier non-sectarian college preparatory school for young women. It was founded in 1851. And it's there that I really cut my teeth on gaining my confidence uh, to go on with my education and my career. It was a very small school. As a matter of fact, I'm looking forward to attending my 50th high school reunion in June. We were a class of originally of 53 young women, but I think unfortunately we're down to about 48. But in that environment, which was, ex was which was fostering to providing you the confidence, the self-confidence that you need to believe in yourself and to aspire to your dreams. I was part of an accelerated program. I graduated in three years instead of four. So at the ripe age of 17 years old, I packed my bags. And because my dream was to become the next Jacques Cousteau, I was looking for a university that offered an undergraduate degree in biological oceanography. Now, at the time, there were two universities in the country that did so. One was the University of Puget Sound in Tacoma, Washington, and the other was Florida Institute of Technology, now known as Florida Tech, in Melbourne, Florida. So, being a girl who grew up shoveling snow, I looked at those two options and said, hmm, Melbourne, Florida, close to the beach, I'll shovel sand. And little did I know, little did I know that um, this was going to be a life-changing um, event for me because I'd gone from, a, from an environment which was all women, all girls, to an engineering university where the male to female ratio was 14 to one. So I was thrust into an environment where most of the time, and much of the time, I was one of two or three women in a class, which presented certain challenges. But again, I think those challenges prepared me for what, was, what I was to face as my career developed. I received my Bachelor of Science in Biological Oceanography from FIT and then continued on my education there to receive a Master's of Business Administration. My first career. Yeah, just my go, first yeah, continue. Career. Yep, yep. You're on. You're on a roll. Okay. Well, my, you know, and I like to think back um, to my experiences because I was offered tremendous opportunities. Um, my attendance at Buffalo Seminary was on full scholarship, full academic scholarship, and the majority of my uh, university experience undergraduate was on scholastic uh, scholarships, but I also uh, I also managed to hold down work study, you know, for 20 hours a week, carry a full load, and still found time to get involved in things like student government, student court, college players, and the National Model United Nations. So I was, I, I got used to hint of spinning a lot of uh, plates in the air, if you will, like the circus performer, but one of the things that really was useful to me is in that work study, um, I had an opportunity to work in the computer lab or actually the computer center at the university while I was pursuing my degree. And when I graduated with my degree in 1973, uh, employment opportunities were fairly rare for someone with just a bachelor's degree in my discipline. So I gave it a lot of thought and I was like, well, 
maybe I ought to consider graduate school. And opportunity arose, the director of the center had an opening within his department as a computer operator and hired me to do so. All right. Well, I tell you what, let's pause right there uh, because we're up against the clock. But when we come back, I want to pick it up there. And I'm intrigued by that oceanography degree. Um, and, And we'll find out once again how she worked her way to the top of SCORE, ladies and gentlemen. All right. And, of course, SCORE is there to help you work your way to the top in your field, that is your business industry area. All right. So stick with us for more. Once again, you're listening to What's the Score? And we will be right back. Welcome back to What's the Score? Thank you once again for tuning in and telling your friends and family about the show. We really do appreciate that. And continue to spread the word, if you would. And don't forget, if you can't catch the show live, you can, of course, listen to it at the Score Archive. That is the radio show archive at Orlando.score.org. Orlando.score.org has the shows, has uh, a lot of other presentations there, as well as templates, great information, and don't forget the excellent newsletter. Okay, so we've got Lucy Polito of SCORE here locally and Carla Micah, and uh, she used to be the SCORE Space Coast Chapter Chair. Now she is heading up the SCORE DEI program. But you were just telling us um, about your experiences in uh, education uh, and leading to your professional career. Yeah, so let's pick it up. Um, I've actually had two career paths. My first career path was in information systems. And I told you earlier that my first job was as a computer operator in the data center at the university. One of the best uh, fringe benefits of being a, a university employee is you got your tuition for free. So during that time, I, I actively pursued my MBA and was very lucky that now this, this, Once again, this was at FIT? Yes, it was. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And so the programmers there took me under their wing because I was a little bored and said, like, well, I can see your, I can see your program, your programs. And maybe I'd like to do that because I was looking for a way to join the employment world. Um, to make a long story short, um, basically taught myself how to program and uh, was offered an opportunity as a programmer through McDonnell Douglas, which was located in Titusville, Florida. Uh, McDonnell Douglas at that time uh, was a defense contractor manufacturing uh, anti-tank weaponry and then later was the major production facility for the cruise missile. I stayed with McDonnell Douglas advancing my career through the IT organization taking on operations center manager, programmer, systems programmer, database administrator uh, while that program was was uh, under underway at McDonnell Douglas. Um, unfortunately, they lost the contract um, in the early 90s, which uh, put me at um, an opportunity to change change employers. I had the opportunity to then join Dictaphone Electronic Manufacturing in Melbourne, Florida. Um, they were a full scale, vertically integrated manufacturing facility. And I was their um, IT manager there. Yeah, 
Where did the oceanographies fit into this? Because obviously you had you know, a broad range of interests, and, but these are, well, you, you diverged away from that. I did. I did. I, I did for economic reasons. Um, sure, but it's yeah. still it is still one of my passions. You know, I live on the beach. Okay. All um, right. I, I I love I loved to scuba dive. I love to to um, enjoy our, yeah, because our you, sea turtle. Because you made the reference, didn't you, not to Jacques Cousteau or something like that? I did. I did. <laughs> but you know, some things are not meant to be. Right. But having an engineering background gave me the disciplines necessary to be able to devote resources to any new opportunities that presented themselves. Right. I see Lucy nodding your head over here, Lucy, right? Yes, because we all, you know, when we are younger, we all have a dream of what we want to be. And then somehow, some way, life turns us around to a different area and we become successful anyway, because the idea is to always be good at whatever you decide to do and uh, this is what happens a lot of people you know go or think they're going on a and turns out that life tells you something else and uh, this is what happened and she's become very successful at what she has been doing she did it when she was uh younger and now she continues to be successful at her endeavors as i mentioned my it was my first career while i was at um dictaphone an opportunity came about opening up in human resources. And having spent, you know, 10 years in the back rooms, if you will, talking to computers, it gets to be very lonely. Um, and I really, I really wanted to get involved with people. I understood the business model. I understood manufacturing, but I really wanted to take on what, it, what I consider business's biggest asset, which has to be its people. And how could I become, how could I apply my talents to make this particular organization more welcoming and more successful? So I had the opportunity to change careers into human resource management, applying what I learned in my MBA program and taking additional course studies through uh, the Society for Human Resource Management. Okay. And I stayed, and I stayed with uh, Dictaphone um, until they were bought out in uh, the early 2000s, which led me to my most exciting opportunity, which was my last position, which was first as a human resources manager for a defense contractor called DynCorp International, uh, for which I later, uh, my final position was a director of HR there. And interestingly enough, this, this company, little known, uh, quietly operating on the Space Coast, at Patrick, which is now Patrick Space Force Center, um, had a contract with the uh, State Department, which was an international contract um, for the international uh, law enforcement and drug, en drug enforcement program of the State Department, which thrust me into an environment where I suddenly had management responsibilities over multiple countries. Wow. And that's where I learned, that's where I really learned a lot. Okay, uh, excellent. So, how did you wind up at SCORE as the space? I can understand the Space Coast connection, but what is the SCORE connection? How, uh, once again, we're speaking with Kaylee. I'm sorry, Carla, Micah. My, pardon me. Go ahead, please. Well, in 2016, um, my late husband was approached by Lois Perry, 
Chapter chair. Lois is always involved somehow. <laughs> Isn't she? <laughs> we had both recently retired, and um, the Space Coast chapter was floundering. It was either going to be closed down or become a branch of Orlando. And my husband had um, really looked into SCORE because he wanted another way to apply his consulting talents to advance small business entrepreneurs. And he was recruited by by Lois. And um, being a partner that I was, um, we were given the challenge to revitalize the Space Coast chapter. So I said, I'll help you. And so we took it on. And he was chapter chair, and I started as a the chapter secretary. Um, I got my mentoring certification, started mentoring clients. Uh, we started recruiting. We started building the chapter. Um, I sh- was co-chair to him, and then he was co-chair to me. And then um, we found a new chair, who is our current chair, Jim Youngquist. So over the course of time, from 2016, um, we we revitalized the chapter and it's very successful today. Good. And so you moved to the position that you're in now, and uh, you said it's the your executive director. Uh, please describe again your position now, today. Right. I'm the lead ambassador for diversity, equity, and inclusion for SCORE National. And our journey began really back in 2015. 15, with the establishment of the Women's Committee, SCORE recognized that um, women were underrepresented in terms of their the volunteer base that uh, that we had. And so there was an initiative stru- that started to recruit and advance women within SCORE. That was followed by the establishment of the Hispanic American Committee and the Black American Committee, which were let networking platforms to allow people to share experiences and also provide content and resources to help field leadership um, recruit more women, recruit more um, Hispanic volunteers, recruit more Black volunteers, and serve our communities better. In 2020, um, we we noted from our from our, our volunteer surveys that we noticed a, a disparity that um, women and minorities did not have the same retention rates within the organization that their counterparts did. And so working working within this particular framework, uh, the DEI Advisory Council was formed. And I was I was one of the initial members of the advisory council and still serve on that today. To that end, we um, engaged the help of a an outside consultant, to, which helped us draft a strategic roadmap for DEI implementation, because what we really are embarked upon is a cultural change, with our objectives being to increase retention rates among, um, among women and minority volunteers, grow our tent to increase the diversity of our volunteer base, and also to to remove barriers that prevent our volunteers from moving forward within the organizations, all in the event, so that we can better serve our communities. Because when we look at our demographics, you know, um, our look at our client base, um, 64 of the clients that we serve across the country were women, and 46% were minorities. But when we look at our our volunteer base per se, 
they don't match up. So we're clearly not we're clearly not looking like the communities that we serve. Okay. Well, once again, I have to take a pause at this moment. Once again, you are listening to What's the Score? Carla Micah is our guest today. She's the lead ambassador for the DEI program at SCORE, which has been going on for about eight years now, you said, uh, started. So so anyway, she knows what it's all about, and she'll be uh, telling us more about what it's all about at SCORE. And you can find out more about what's going on at SCORE here locally by going to the website, orlando.score.org. Sign up for the excellent newsletter there, and that way you'll be ahead of the game. And that's where you also sign up to participate in or take advantage of the offerings. Once again, pretty much on a daily basis, they have something to offer you at SCORE. So stay with us, please, because we will be right back with more of What's the SCORE. the score and we want to thank you for tuning in and finding out everything that score has got going on we really appreciate that okay along with lucy polito and myself christopher hart our guest today carla micah the lead ambassador of the diversity equity and inclusion program at score which started in score uh, at least their their practice of it started in score about eight years ago and to balance the volunteers with the intention of balancing or better serving the local community. So, uh, the, Lucy, were you a part of this? Because you've been at SCORE longer than eight years, haven't you? Oh, I've been with SCORE 22 years. Wow. So that's a heck of a long time. Well, for some, <laughs> I guess. But uh, Carla, uh, she, so she is kind of the exception then, I take it. I am an exception yes. in more ways than one. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was just saying that uh, Lucy's kind of the exception because she's been around for 22 years. Um, but how has it, it balanced things out? Is is it more of an equitable uh, balance now? Well, <laughs> excuse me, we, we have a ways to go. We are making progress. We are making progress, but we do have a ways to go. And a lot of times um, people say, okay, is this just a new buzzword? Is this just new a new program? You know, we check the boxes. And actually, there are some very interesting statistics that actually drive a business case for why organizations, not just SCORE, but all businesses need to be need to be embracing inclusivity. Because did you know that at least by 2042, there's not going to be a single demographic majority in this country that people of color will comprise more than 50% of the U.S. population. And we know right now that the number of small businesses are being created, the majority of which, as we see by our clients, are by women and people of color. So to that end, what do we do to make a business case for embracing these particular concepts. Studies show that businesses that are gender diverse 
are 15% more likely to financially outperform their peers and ethnically diverse companies are 35% more likely to financially outperform their peers. So there is, there is a case to be had for why this is an important initiative for, for companies to, to adopt. And I think it all begins with creating an inclusive organization. And what, what I mean by inclusivity is it's about belonging. It's about when you, when you join an organization, you feel like you're a part of the organization. Because diversity without inclusion doesn't work. People have to feel like they belong. Otherwise, if you spend resources to, to recruit diver, diverse individuals, they won't feel welcome and they'll leave. So it's a hand-in-hand -hand thing, like a building block. Once you establish a culture of inclusion where people feel like they want to belong and be a part of it, you need to break down the barriers that may exist for them to advance and take advantage of your services. And, I, and then finally, once that environment is established, diversity will just come. And I wanna highlight one of the most important things we've done this year in SCORE to advance these efforts. If you go to our national website, www.score.org, you will see the ability to translate that content into multiple languages. Thank goodness for technology. We're able to do that with a click of a button and suddenly someone who maybe doesn't speak English as their first language is able to at least access and see what we have to offer. To that end, we are also putting a lot of effort to, to developing content that is, is translated, normal English language webinars and, and workshops into Spanish language as well as materials that we've produced, uh, such as the guide to you know, seven steps building a business and in, in multiple languages, so that we can reach out to those particular communities and show them that we can be as, of assistance to them. I don't mean to oversimplify, but as you were describing this, it sounded an awful lot like, you, you might, you know, maybe get a kick out of this being a Buffalo Bills fan, but it sounds an awful lot like teamwork. In other words, the, the whole idea of teamwork, isn't it? You know, there's no I in teamwork. Uh, there's, uh, you know, it's all about building that cohesiveness, that sense of belonging, as you mentioned, and that sense of purpose. And it, so I, am I getting it wrong here? No, you're getting it right because I there there's a wonderful video that I've used in training sessions, which uh, inclusion begins with I. It's incumbent upon leaders, particularly CEOs, to to communicate in their corporate values and their company values the fact that they're trying to create an environment where all of their employees feel valued and welcome. So you're right. Teamwork is a good way because there's no I in teamwork. But remember that inclusion begins with I. One of the challenges that we faced recently is that because it's a feeling, because inclusion is a feeling, it's not like diversity where there are visible aspects of diversity that you can measure. But how do you measure a feeling? And so I'm really, really happy to say one of the major efforts that we've undertaken this year, because every year we've, we survey our volunteers to understand what their feelings of engagement are with the organization 
is to capitalize on some research that was done by the Gartner Group to actually create an inclusivity index. And it's based upon several tenants or, or aspects that you might include as you, as you try to measure how inclusive an environment is, such as fair treatment, integrating differences, decision-making, psychological safety, trust. Trust is a big element. Belonging, and then, you know, opportunity, diversity of opportunity and leadership. So this year, our volunteer engagement survey will incorporate questions aligned with those particular eight areas to be able to allow us for the first time to establish a numerical index that we can baseline our organization and measure the success of our efforts. If I could interject here, um, even though these would be guidelines, it is still, as you are saying, it's very subjective. And, you know, thinking about this from a business person's point of view, uh, you know, how do you really incorporate this into your business model? Uh, This is, it, it seems to me that the, correct me if I'm wrong, that the whole, shall we say, miracle of a free market economy is that the business world is the great equalizer, all right, where sort of the commonality is money is the green, and that we all seek business from all avenues. We all, we're always looking for new markets to expand into, that the free markets kind of would take care of this, perhaps, let's just say, without the subjectivity. Unfortunately, that isn't the case, because there are barriers that exist, particularly in underserved communities, for example, as it relates to financing, all right? Many cases, you're not gonna have the same opportunities if, if, you ha- if you are in an underserved market that you would if you weren't. Well, I understand so, that, but that's, you know, they, there are the economic zones, uh, th- that's a, a, an issue having to do with the finance community itself, uh, rather than, say, the the business community, and I'm trying to differentiate from them, the finance community being the banks, the the lending institutions, because they're the ones that provide the capital. That's correct. So this is where we have an opportunity within SCORE into educating these particularly, these underserved clients um, about those opportunities, which they may not be aware of. Right. Okay. And if we can do it in, in if we can do it in many cases in the languages that they're accustomed to, then we've taken one more step further to to equalizing the playing playing field and removing the barriers to their success. I was going to say you're just basically seeking to speak to people in their own language, so to speak, uh, whatever that well, language sure. may be, right? And, and the other aspect okay. of that mm-hmm. is that is is that various cultures do conduct business differently. Right. And of course, I was just going Lucy, to say Lucy, that. I was going to say, the, yeah, go ahead, please. I was going to refer to you. I, I was going to say that that's one of the things that people uh, mutual have to understand. I mean, every country does things totally different. Uh, obviously, the U.S. does things totally different. And one of the things is we're not educated or we, meaning in the United States, we're not very well educated to the international markets and how people 
relate and how people react to different ways and how people do business in different countries and so on and so forth. Uh, and we obviously want people when they come to the U.S., if they're going to establish a business, to know about our laws and to know about uh, the world and the way and the customers, how they behave here and so on and so forth. And that is somewhat of a, a difficult situation. First of all, the language, first of all. And second, the cultural differences between the U.S. and any other country, because each country has their own individual uh, culture. And it's, it is a, uh, a big step for people who are coming in from a different culture to organize themselves in the U.S., for the most part, a lot of we have an awful lot of different laws and things that we are very good at, uh, you know, obviously doing. And ha we have to learn if you're a foreigner and you're establishing a business here, uh, you really have to know all these things. Right. In a lot of countries, you don't have to do that. And, uh, and this is that's what this program is about, making SCORE more effective at helping all individuals in the business community. So when we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Carla Micah, the lead ambassador for the DEI program at SCORE. Please stay with us. What's the score? And we want to thank you for tuning in and telling your friends and family. You know, the audience really has grown. Before we get back to the conversation with Lucy Polito and Carla Micah of Score, just want to remind you, you can take advantage of radio as well and spread your message, grow your audience, grow your business community, ladies and gentlemen, your clientele base. All you have to do is contact the great folks here at Salem Media Group Orlando. There's a couple of ways you can do it. They now have Salem Surround where they can integrate your radio message, your radio voice, with your Internet message, your Internet voice. Or they can just do one or the other. They can uh, take care of it however you would like to do it. Salem Surround Orlando. I'm sorry, Salem Surround. You go to surroundorlando.com, surroundorlando.com. If you would like to speak to someone here at Salem Media Group Orlando, just give them a call at 407-618-1760. And that is 407-618-1760 for Salem Media Group Orlando. And please tell them that uh, you heard about him on SCORE and you just love the idea. Okay, back to Carla. Carla, earlier you mentioned that uh, there's been progress made at SCORE. Uh, there's still work to be done. It's, that's kind of the way life is, I guess, in general. But uh, do, you, do you have any statistics, anything that you can show offer us, please? What, what, I, what I really would like the opportunity to share with you today is some impact numbers. Um, how does SCORE impact the communities that it's served? And we've recently concluded our client impact survey, and the results are, are available um, to our volunteers. But the 2022 national impact of SCORE is that through our services, we were able to assist in the creation of 30,453 new businesses nationally. What that translates into is 82,117 non-owner jobs for a total of 112,570 total jobs created on a national level. 
Wow. So congratulations. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, and granted, this has been a big year of, of job creation as we as we come as we come back from the years of, of COVID. It, and you know, it, it's it's tremendous. I mean, we have over ten thousand volunteers nationally, but when you look at some of the numbers, there were over five million visits to the score.org websites. Okay. Our mentors nationally delivered over 278,000 mentoring sessions, 211,000 local workshop attendees. And, and here are the numbers that are really, really good to note that our entrepreneurs and small businesses, 86% of our clients would recommend SCORE to their family and friends. 90% of in-business clients we're still in business at the end of 2022. And 55% of those in-business clients reported an increase in revenue. Wow. That's a national. Do, do you happen to have uh, numbers for Orlando? Oh, absolutely. And I'm really happy to share those with you. Okay. All right. All right. Here, here now, the, the SCORE Orlando chapter has about 39 volunteers. Now think about the work that they've done because those 39 volunteers had an impact on the community by assisting with the creation of 337 new businesses, 2,691 total jobs created, and they delivered over 13,482 client services, which means that's either a mentoring session or a workshop attendee. Wow, Lucy, we knew you were working hard. We just didn't know how hard you were working, did we? <laughs> no kidding. I mean, no wonder I'm tired all the time. Uh, uh, and Lucy, don't you have the 2021 numbers available to yes, you? Yes, actually, I do. Uh, you know, back in 2021, if you remember, we were still coming out of COVID, if you will. Um, and we started with, uh, we actually did 316 new business uh, actually started at the time. We had a total jobs created of about 1,253 uh, jobs created, and we serviced 9,485 uh, people or services in total. So I think we are improving every year. We're doing our, our best to try to do better every year. So uh, I'm happy to have those numbers. Uh, because it shows that we have uh, done well, I think. What do you oh, think? I know you've done well, Lucy. I know, because I've been to Orlando, and <laughs> um, I love your chapter. Uh, one other one other statistic, because it's it's we owe our taxpayers, because obviously SCORE is funded through the Small Business Administration, which is our taxpayer dollars. But just a particular impact number is that the amount score clients return to the federal treasury for every federal dollar that's appropriated to score is $42. So for every dollar that is invested in score generates $42 back to the treasury. So that's great. As those are awesome numbers. Uh, what do you project uh, project going forward, or, or what are your plans uh, as the amb- the national ambassador? Because that that's that's pretty big responsibility. Well, I'm working with um, our eight regional vice presidents, as well as their district directors, to ensure that they they will develop some plan for how they're going to better serve 
their communities that encompasses and incorporates our DEI initiatives, whether that be hosting more women's events or adding more content. I know there was a Merrimack chapter in New York that has really delved into producing a lot of Spanish language content. Now, how do we leverage that particular chapter's um, efforts into the rest of the organization so we can share it and collaborate it? And really, I see my role as trying to work with all these various groups across the country and being able to connect them so that we can better share the, the investments that we've made and we don't have to constantly be reinventing the wheel and that we can share successes and leverage our, our efforts across the board. So what we hope to accomplish in, and I think we're going to see it, number one is I, I'm really looking forward to the, to the, um, the feedback from the volunteer engagement survey. I am looking forward to the numbers that we track in terms of increased tenure among our, our women and minority volunteers. Uh, particularly reduced turnover, as well as, as increased retention, as well as creating leadership opportunities across the board. So I think that, you know, we're, we're about three years into our program. It was a five-year strategic effort, and um, we're definitely making progress. And I am so honored to have the trust and confidence of um, Bridget Weston uh, to be able to apply my talents to this particular effort. Well, it sounds like SCORE got the jump on everybody else. Uh, you started all this, what, eight years ago, you said? And yeah. Can, and it's, it's, it's evolved, obviously. But uh, uh, once again, this is so that SCORE can better serve the business communities nationwide. And, uh, you know, hopefully this will eventually be an you know, some program that uh, other countries will take advantage of and have their own versions of SCORE. All right. Well, uh, just a couple of minutes left to go. Any any last thoughts you might like to leave us with? Well, as I, as I said earlier, inclusion begins with I. You know, if you have an opportunity to, to, to engage individuals who are different from you, take that opportunity to learn from them. Because you will be amazed at what you can what you can discover not only about yourself, but about the people that you that you encounter and meet people where they're at. Okay. We have a we have a, a methodology called Slate in our organization. Stop, listen, assess, test, and 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 set expectations. And stop and suspend judgment. Listen actively. Listen to what people are telling you. Assess what they've told you and develop strategies that you can then test for their success and always manage the expectations. Using this particular methodology will make us better mentors and will make us better people in every uh, every encounter that we have. Okay. And once again, folks, SCORE is always looking for more volunteers. As Carla said, the local office here in Orlando has Central Florida has 39 volunteers. There's at at last count. Do you have the count nationwide? I think the last time we had a count, it was like around 15,000 nationwide. Carla, um, she's going to check. Uh, on. Currently, where we're yeah, currently where we're standing, we have um, about 11,217 volunteers okay. spread across 280 chapters okay. across the country, and it also includes Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands. Oh, excellent. So if you would like to be a SCORE volunteer, it could be looking for you. 
So check it out. Once again, you can speak with somebody. Call them at 407-420-4844. You can also go to orlando.score.org. And do they go to the national website, score.org, to find out more about uh, this program in particular, Carla? I think you will find landing pages um, there that address, uh, you know, our black, Hispanic, and women's areas. We just have a new landing page for AAPI as well. But again, those areas are really more focused toward our volunteer base. Our client base is served by... um, by going to www.score.org, and you can find a volunteer to help you anywhere in the country. There you go. And that's all, once again, at the bargain basement inflation deflation proof price of no charge at all. So all you have to do is take advantage of it. Score.org and Orlando.score.org. You'll find everything you need at one or both of those locations. Carla, thanks for being with us today. And I'm sure we'll be talking to you again in the future. In the meantime, good luck. Thank you. Yes, thank you very much for your time, Carla. I appreciate it. Very much. Okay. Uh, Until next week, that is all for What's the Score? Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.